Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyal, your host. Last week, we had a guest on, a very special friend, Jack Fingal of Eastern Christian Publications, and we're going to have him on again because we've got some late-breaking news. Jack, if you ever were familiar with him or if you've listened to us any length of time, you know that Jack is a first-rate ecumenist. He's probably done more or as much for ecumenical relationships between the Orthodox churches and the Catholic churches, both East and West, than perhaps anybody and the reason he's done it is because he's had the freedom to do it because he's a layperson. And that actually gives him a certain freedom to do what he has been able to do. And maybe he'll talk about that when we bring him on the program today. But Jack has had some recent developments in ecumenism, and that's why we've had him on now for the second program in a row. And so without delaying any further, let's welcome once again Jack Figel to our program by the East. Glory to Jesus Christ, Jack. Glory forever, Father Tom. Uh, good to be with you again, and again so soon. It's great to be invited to have a nice conversation with you. Yeah, always glad to have you on because you're so full of, well, resources. And again, we want everyone to know this is the go-to guy. A lot of people ask me, where can I get stuff to learn more about the Eastern churches? Well, we can go to Eastern Christian Publication. That's ecpubs.com, ecpubs.com. This is the guy, Jack Fiegel. Probably has one of the most vast reservoirs of knowledge and resources for anything Eastern, from books to videotapes and so on. But recently, Jack, and the reason why we had you on, because you have some late-breaking news in terms of the whole world of ecumenism. Yes, indeed. Just in the last few days, if anyone has been watching the church news, His All Holiness, Ecumenical Patriarch Bartholomew, the current Archbishop of Constantinople, uh, is on an apostolic trip to the United States for about 10 or 12 days. He arrived in Washington just this past Saturday, which was the 23rd, and has been spending time in Washington at all sorts of different events, ecumenical and related to the Greek Orthodox Church here in America. And uh, I've been blessed and honored to be invited to three of those events over the last three days, and so it's been quite an ecumenical weekend for me to participate in those. And, and who invited you? 
Well, it was three different events, and I was invited essentially by three different groups. On Sunday, the first was the Divine Liturgy, uh, in which His All Holiness was scheduled to uh, preside at the Greek Orthodox Cathedral, another form of Hagia Sophia, although here in Washington they call it Saint Sophia, but it is truly Hagia Sophia, Holy Wisdom. And um, I was invited by the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese because of uh, my work with the Archbishop in New York. He was a speaker at our Oriental Illumin Conference in uh, 2020, and so I was uh, on the invited guest list. And uh, I, I was amazed that when I arrived, they had a special uh, usher uh, escort me into the cathedral, and I was walked all the way up to the front and sat in the third row on the left-hand side where all the other ecumenical guests were seated. And because I went so early, I was able to sit on the aisle right on the end. So I was uh, right in the middle of things and right up front. It was it was wonderful. Across the aisle from me in the first pew, the first place of honor in the pews, uh, was the papal nuncio, Archbishop Christophe Pierre. So I was literally across the aisle from him, uh, right up in front of the mm. church. So it was uh, very exciting. That was all wonderful until an hour or so later, after we were all seated and we were waiting for His All Holiness to arrive and the liturgy to start. Unfortunately, because of his travel and uh, being 81 years old, he kind of ran out of steam, and his doctors recommended that he rest on Sunday. And so he, unfortunately, was not able to actually come to the liturgy. But he was in Washington. He went for observation to the host, uh, hospital overnight, and uh, thank God he was able to resume his schedule on the Monday morning. Unfortunately, as the liturgy was about to start and the entourage arrived, we realized that His All Holiness was not part of the delegation. Uh, Metropolitan Emmanuel of Chalcedon uh, was the leader, and uh, we got word that His All Holiness did not feel well when it was time to come to church, and so his doctors recommended out of an abundance of caution to rest uh, and uh, sort of get checked out at the hospital which they did on Sunday and Sunday night, and then Monday morning he was released to continue the rest of his schedule. Okay, and what was your second experience? Uh, That was very exciting. That was at the Museum of the Bible, where the Bible scholars had discovered an ancient gospel book that had belonged to a Greek monastery, and they were going to gift it back to the patriarch and the Greek Orthodox Church. And I've been working with the Museum of the Bible through the Washington Theological Consortium, and so they invited me, again, to be one of the guests at the ceremony, and that was at the museum. His, uh, His All Holiness joined us by Zoom, and they had him on a complete screen of televisions, bigger than life, and he gave his remarks and address from a- another place in Washington, so he didn't have to travel through traffic and so forth. And then the third event was yesterday that we can talk about more after the break. It was an ecumenical reception at the National Council of Churches, and I was invited there because of my work with the Oriental Illumin Conferences and the foundation that we started for ecumenical relations. Well, exciting. That's why we had you on today. This is definitely late-breaking news, because anything like this, Jack, helps to Well, it works towards that unity, that familiarity, building relationships between the Orthodox churches and, well, the Catholic Church, in particular the Eastern Catholic churches, we've always seen ourselves, for better or for worse, rightly or wrongfully, whatever, some people dispute it, but we've always seen ourselves, and I think you do too, Jack, I mean, I know I certainly do, as certainly some form of link or bridge between the Orthodox and the Roman Catholic Church. 
Is that your thoughts on it? Absolutely. Um, I certainly see us as the bridge. We live in both worlds. We live in the Catholic world, being in communion with the Bishop of Rome, and so we know how the Catholic Church functions and thinks. But we're also in the Orthodox world in that we understand Eastern spirituality, Eastern liturgy, and traditions of the Christian East. So we, we have a, a foot in both, and so I do believe we, we should and can act as a bridge. As my grandfather would say, sometimes you got to be careful when you're piggy in the middle. But um, uh, anyway, uh, I do think we are a bridge. Others would say we're a barrier, but I think more and more as uh, people get to know us, they're discovering that we can be that bridge, understanding both both sides of uh, the East and West, the two lungs of the church. Well, and helping people to get to know us, as you said, is precisely the mission of this program. Uh, Jack, let's just for the sake of our viewers, I want to make just for the sake of our listeners, I want to explain a little bit, and you can help me on this. That when you talk about the his, his all holiness, the patriarch, he is the basically the leading prelate, the the patriarch or the leading bishop of the Greek Orthodox Church of the whole world. Correct? Yes. In, in fact, he's even beyond that. Um, in that uh, the Greek Orthodox Church is his immediate jurisdiction, but as ecumenical patriarch, he is considered as a place of honor to be first among equals of all the patriarchs and autocephalous churches that make up the entire. Orthodox Church, not just the Greeks. So he is a spiritual leader, not a jurisdictional leader, but a spiritual leader of all Orthodox churches, whether it be Russian or Ukrainian or Arabic or American or Greek. He is uh, the spiritual leader uh, of, of all of those churches in his role as ecumenical patriarch. I know this is stretching it a bit, and I can get into a lot of trouble saying this, I guess, by some, but however, <laughs> I would say, just to make things real simple, though, he's probably the closest the Orthodox come to a quote-unquote pope, would you say? Yes, that's right. I mean, to put it in, in Western terminology, he could be called the pope of the Orthodox, but of course, the Orthodox don't have the same sort of church structure as the Catholic Church. They're uh, much uh, uh, more a, of an association of churches that are in communion with each other, and so they're try to be on a much more equal footing. They only meet in a total group, maybe once every five to ten to twenty years, uh, and as opposed to the Pope meeting with all of his bishops within the Catholic Church much, much more frequently. And you have a history with him. Yes, in fact, because we started Oriental Illumin 25 years ago, and I've been publishing books uh, related to the Eastern churches it, since the mid-90s, I've actually met him face-to-face -face over 20 times over the last 25 or so years in Constantinople. And we've had three Oriental Illumin conferences in Istanbul. And for each one of those, not only did he come and greet our group, receive us in an audience at the Fenar, but I would frequently go over uh, myself and plan those e events and I would be granted an audience privately, one-on-one, -on -one, with just him and me for 30 to 45 minutes to discuss and plan those conferences. So um, I've, I've built up, uh, yeah, I think, quite, quite, a, quite a friendship, and uh, I've gotten to know him very well. And I think he recognizes me even now when, 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 he, when we see each other face-to-face. -face. When we come back, Jack, I want you to talk a little bit about how you as a layman have been able to do this. 
I think it's an interesting perspective. So again, our guest is Jack Fiegel of Eastern Christian Publications, a great ecumenist, does a lot of work for ecumenism between East and West. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loya and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R life at earthlink.net. I'm Loretta Freilich of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal of Chicago and Pentecost Today, and you are listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. Once again, our guest is Jack Fingal, Eastern Christian Publications, but also of the Orientali Lumen Conferences and also the Orientali Lumen Trips, pilgrimages that he's had over the years, which I've been privileged to be a part of. I've been part of both the conferences and also the pilgrimages. And Jack, when you have done these kinds of efforts, and, and they're incredible efforts. I mean, is would I be presumptuous in saying that the ecumenical patriarch of the Greek Orthodox Church is on your speed dial on your phone? <laughs> <laughs> well, not quite. But when I do go visit him, and as I mentioned earlier, I've been there over 20 times, um, when I walk into the room, uh, on occasion he has said to me, without being introduced, as soon as he sees and recognizes me, my face, he'll say, ah, Mr. Jack, the book publisher is here, and he brings me another book that I will never have time to read. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Mr. So, <laughs> Mr. so Jack. yes, I've I've gotten to to know him and and spend time with him. I look you know look to him for uh, uh, the leadership that he has shown in not only ecumenical work because he's a actually very very close friends with Pope Francis now. I think I heard someone over the weekend mention that they have met 10 times face to face in just the last year. Wow. That's like incredible. Uh he he has been to so many events with the Pope and um, been to Rome and other places and they're going to meet again here in a few weeks at the large worldwide environmental summit that's taking place in Glasgow that President Biden is going to. Both Patriarch Bartholomew and Pope Francis will be speaking there. And this is a cause that is very near and dear to the Patriarch's heart. He is known as the Green Patriarch 
has been conducting conferences and seminars about the environment for 25 or 30 years. He, he, you could say he was, he was ahead of the game when it came to environmental concerns about the climate. Yes, and on that note, I want to interject here about something. The Eastern spirituality is, with that sacramental liturgical worldview, it's very, very environmental. We don't have to be environmentalists. We were the original environmentalists. Actually, the whole church was, but especially the Eastern churches, because we incorporate the environment. We incorporate nature a lot in our liturgical observance. We bring things in from the outside, from the earth, and we bless it. We go out and we bless things. We bless water. We bless fruit. We bless trees. We bless everything. There's this sacramental view that sees the mystery of the incarnation of God's presence in our world as filling every aspect of creation. And that's why we look at creation with this sacramental view. And if you look at our iconography, especially icons such as the nativity of Jesus Christ that's coming up, of course, soon. We're going to celebrate, of course, his birth on earth. When you look at those icons, you see always a lot of nature incorporated in them. Because what's that? what that is saying, and again, coming from the sacramental view, is that the incarnation, the mystery of the second person of the Trinity becoming incarnate, taking on a human form, being God and man together in our reality, it shoots the entire creation that he made himself with his presence. It shoots his presence right through all that creation. And so the way we interact with creation, whether it's a human being or a star in the sky or a tree or a rock, whatever, is determined by that reality, that incarnational reality. Jack, how is it that you've been able to do such incredible things on such a global level as being a layperson? I'm not really sure, Father. I All I can say is the Holy Spirit has inspired me to just start these conferences some 25, 30 years ago, invite speakers, invite open-to-the-public kinds of events, and the Holy Spirit has inspired them to say yes. The very first conference, uh, I had... Uh, uh, two or three bishops come and were speakers at the first conference in 1997. And the second conference, the cardinal in charge of ecumenical relations from Rome came himself as well, Cardinal Cassidy, to our second conference in 1998. So ever since then, we've had cardinals and patriarchs, bishops, theologians, some lay people speaking about different topics some ecumenical, some just about the Eastern Church. And uh, over the years, people have just recognized the Oriental Lumen Conferences as, as a place where they can air their personal views on various topics. We keep politics and church constraints out of the, uh, the equation, and uh, we have no agenda. We have no sort of goal other than to bring people together. And as Metropolitan Callistos, one of our patrons, has said over the years that in order to have church unity, we must get to know each other in order to love each other, and we must do that face-to-face in in dialogue. And so we just open things up, provide an environment for that. Everyone is free to speak their mind, and everyone comes almost on a pilgrimage to those things, and we've turned those into trips two years ago to the Holy Land, and we've been to Rome and Istanbul We've had uh, three or four audiences with the popes over the years, Pope Francis uh, especially. And so uh, the, the name Oriental Illumin Conferences now is, is sort of has become a trademark of an ecumenical operation that, as you say, does have worldwide connections. I remember with fondness a couple of trips I went with you on. And 
we went to the Fanar and we met, of course, had lunch and was had time with the ecumenical patriarch Bartholomew. And I always remember the little bit of little piece of candy he gave us as a gift. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, uh, yesterday's event was at the National Council of Churches here in Washington, and we were told uh, afterwards we would all have the opportunity to greet him. That was a small group, only about about forty people. The the leading ecumenical uh, personalities of Washington. Uh, the head of the National Council of Churches, the U.S. bishop uh, responsible for the ecumenical committee, and others. And uh, when I went to greet him, he gave me a gift, uh, as he was giving everyone, and I thought it was going to be a holy card. turned out to be a little box with cufflinks in it. Uh, so now I have to get a shirt where I can wear cufflinks. And then I turned, and, and because we all had masks on, I, I figured he was not going to recognize me, so I put a business card into my most recent book, that I published, written by an Orthodox priest. When I gave it to him, he recognized the name, and he turned to me and said, "Ah, and when will you be bringing a, a group to to to, to the Fanar again?" <laughs> and so we had that little exchange that was that was wonderful. Well, Jack, keep those cufflinks. Get a shirt for him because wouldn't they be perhaps second class relics? Well, they could be. <laughs> they could be. Father, I have one breaking news. Late, I heard yesterday. If we could squeeze it in, mm-hmm. and that is. The national meeting of the U.S. bishops is coming up in a few weeks in November. Mm-hmm. And uh, I understand for the first time ever, there will be an official delegation of Orthodox hierarchs participating for a day and a night in the USCCB agenda. Really? So this is, this is late-breaking news that I heard over the weekend that uh, the Orthodox bishops are now being invited and they've accepted to come and participate in the national meeting of all the U.S. Catholic bishops. Now, the patriarch won't be there then, would he? No, the patriarch will not. This will be just the U.S. Um, and in fact, it'll be all of the, um, uh, what they call the Assembly of Canonical Orthodox Bishops of America. So it will involve representatives from all the wow. various canonical Orthodox churches, not just the Greeks. The Greeks are the leader of that group, but it will in- involve... Um, you know, representatives from all the different Orthodox churches that are here in America. That's going to be historical. Yes, I, I think it's going to be the first time in history. And I'm, I'm, I, I think I can take a little pride in that this is uh, a number of the people involved in having that happen sort of got together because of Oriental Illumin and my, my efforts. The other breaking news is at the Council, the National Workshop for Christian Unity and the meeting of all the diocesan ecumenical officers that's going to take place next May in Los Angeles. I've helped arrange for Archbishop Elpidophorus, the Greek Orthodox Archbishop of all of America, to be the keynote speaker. And that will also be historic, the first time the meeting of the national workshop where an Orthodox hierarch will be a speaker. Well, Jack, I suspect that at the highest levels, such as with Patriarch Bartholomew and the Pope, or maybe even a couple levels down from there, that they must get together and when they get together, they must be able to say to each other, you know, we're all fighting the same enemies here in this world, and we need to be together to fight them together. I, I suspect that is in their heart and what they probably express. It's just a matter of getting that unity to happen. Wouldn't you say the same thing? And Absolutely. And I've heard reports that, and of course they've met many times since then, that when Patriarch Bartholomew and Pope Francis met in Jerusalem a few years back, uh, to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the lifting of the anathemas, that there was a private conversation in which 
Patriarch Bartholomew or Pope Francis, one of the two, said to the other, let's lock up all the theologians in a room and let's just declare unity ourselves. (laughs) Oh, I like that. (laughs) I like that because I think that is the problem. The problem, I think, is the middle management of both churches, you know, East and West. I, I think the leaders know they have to come together and would come together, and certainly the rank and file, you know, where you and I are, are at, you know, that level, where the most laity are at. You know, I, whenever I have experiences with the Orthodox on the, on the level of the rank and file and, and our people have with them and so on, they'll always ask, like, well, so why are we apart? You know, they, they get along so well. Why are we apart? Sure, there are some differences we got to hash out and discuss, but nothing seems to justify keeping the great schism alive. You know, Jack, sometimes it seems to me like our starting point, especially with the leaders, maybe it's more the middle management leaders, it's almost like their starting point is is the schism. Like that's got to be preserved and, and protected at all costs, where really it's unity that has to be preserved and protected at all costs. That's my thought. I, I absolutely agree with you, and in fact, the schism was not really a schism. It was simply an argument between a, a, a one particular cardinal and the patriarch uh, over a small little issue that should have been fixed and healed, and it wasn't, and it just, you know, mushroomed into a schism that, you know, really was not fully affected for another few hundred years until the Council of Florence fell apart. Well, Jack, we got so much more to talk about. We'll have you on again and again as a good friend here. And thanks for the late breaking news. Good, good stuff. Very optimistic. We need optimistic messages in this day and age. Thanks so much, Jack. Again, he's the head of Orientavi Lumen, also Eastern Christian Publications. Jack Finkel, I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. News from around the world as it happens. Religious liberty, immigration, prayer, plus daily reports from the White House, Capitol Hill, and Rome. Get the Catholic News perspective on the things that impact your life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.